Lead Heads, welcome back to the Talking Lead Show. I'm your host, Left Hand, and I am coming off a short week of vacation. Uh, as you guys heard from last week's episode, I took a few days off and uh, hit you guys with a show from the archives. It was episode 93, where we had Zeke the Squatch. Uh, if you guys uh, listened to that show, we were talking about bow hunting, and uh, we had Adam Mattis with Orion's Kin. So you guys can check them out on the Pursuit channel. And uh, hopefully we can get uh, get Adam back on again here in the near future and get an update with what's been going on with those guys. So also, I told you guys, we had a huge announcement that we're going to be making this week. And to help me make that announcement, I'm going to go ahead and introduce our guest this week, Brady Speth with Right On USA. Brady, welcome in. Thank you. I appreciate having me on today. Yeah, man, I appreciate you taking taking time from your vacation. I know you're on, you're still on vacation. You took a little longer yeah. vacation than uh, old Lefty did. We got uh, one day left, so we're up in Whitefish, Montana. We uh, we scheduled it perfectly with a few events we were doing, so we uh, got a little vacation time in with some events. And yeah, you guys were up there for the Anterius uh, Alliance, the the wingspan event. We were, yep, we were up there for that a couple weeks ago, and then. Had another one uh, this last weekend, and then uh, now it's kind of all wrapping up. What did? What was the other event that you were up there for? Uh, we were up here for a shoot. We did at one of the ranges down uh, in western Montana. We uh, it's kind of like a demo day, try and buy. We try to do. We're not big on traditional gun show type things. We try to get out and we want people to use our glass actually at the range and try them out. So we're really big on getting getting guns and optics in people's hands. So getting the hands-on approach. I like that. Exactly. Yep, that's how you know. Yeah, very good, very good. So you guys are getting ready to pack up and head back home, which home is in Arizona, right? Yep, Tucson, Arizona. they uh been about 115 degrees the last couple of weeks, so not really looking forward to getting home. But <laughs> I can imagine. So you're going from the, the beautiful mountains to the, the desert. Yep, the high desert. No, no pine trees and nothing in sight, so... Nothing but saguaro cactus. Well, we'll take in the sights while you're there, and uh, you can bring them home with you. You know, right? Absolutely. I kinda have to uh, have to show my kids what actual grass is. So that's been a <laughs> been fun. <laughs> uh, so before we get started, we want to go ahead and thank the sponsors of the show, Frontier Tactical. You guys have heard us talk about Frontier Tactical. They are the developers of the Warlock system the multi-caliber adapter that you can put on your AR-15 and shoot up to 90 different calibers from your one AR platform. And to make it even easier for you guys, they have started manufacturing their own line of ARs, the FT series, and they come standard with that Warlock system on them. Completely uh, modular system. You guys go to FrontierTactical.com, check them out. You're going to love them. They've got rifles they've got the pistols the ar pistols with the stabilizing braces on them uh for awesome truck guns now, they've got some videos out if you've not seen them to where i think there's one where a lady have you seen the one where the lady's got it in her purse she's she's got an ar in her purse and she yeah i love that one the uh be able to just completely unfold it and yeah just straight out of, straight out of her purse she just um pops the top on it uh, locks in the warlock system boom and she's got her ar-15 pistol ready to go so it's pretty cool so uh, what i was leading to is they make great pack guns or truck guns easily concealable easy to get to and then uh, you can change the calibers out just with a twist of that warlock system 
modern Spartan systems for all your gun optimizing needs for lubes, cleaning solutions, optic. They even have optics cleaners. They work really good. Um, I'm gonna have to get one. They've got they've got a solution in there that helps clean clean your glass on your your optics. Uh, and then they even got a product for your vehicles, the TVT engine additive. I've been using it in the lead sled, and uh, I just went over 304,000 miles yesterday uh, on my trip to the Talking Lead uh, range, the pit. Uh, we went down there and did some some shooting with some new rifles that we got in, and uh, it's running like a top. Now, I did have a, a little breakdown, Brady, on, on my trip yesterday. Um one of one a rare one for the lead sled too. Uh, I've had to replace yeah. very few things on my. It's a '98 GMC Yukon. It's it's the um, what do you call it? It's the wheel, the little uh, arm on the on the wheel came loose. I'm not a mechanic, but anyway, one of the control arms. Or yeah, yeah, it was one of the control arms came loose, and uh, I heard this rattling, and I reached down and saw that that arm was loose, and. Uh, Everybody that was with me was like, man, your wheel's going to fall off. You got to get that fixed. You got to get that fixed. <laughs> so uh, luckily enough where I was at, there was a mechanic that was open, and uh, they got it right in, changed the part. I mean, it only took them like an hour to fix the part on it, and uh, she's as good as new, and I'm tooling down the road again. So, And it's it's due to that Modern Spartan Systems TVT engine additive. So you guys try that out as well. X-Steel Targets. X-Steel Targets. For all your AR-500 steel target needs, you guys need to check out X-Steel Targets. I uh, just got off the phone with Bud, and uh, they are in the process of coming up with some new services for you guys in addition to their AR-500 steel targets. Uh, but we're going to get Bud on, and we're going to let him talk about that. But uh, we were shooting some of his his targets yesterday. There were some spinners that we were trying out. There was a um, hostage target that we were trying out. And we were going long range on some of the silhouette targets. And we were probably about 300 yards out. And, I mean, the distinctive ting of that AR-500 steel uh, is just, it's unmistakable. So you know you hit that target every time when you, uh, when you shoot at the AR-500 steel targets. And they can custom make targets, too. So if there's something on there you guys uh, were looking for and you didn't see, get in touch with Bud, and they can make it for you. XSteelTargets.com Glock, the official carry of left hand of Talking Lead. I carry the Glock 23 and the Glock 27, Brady. What do you think about the 40 caliber round? Uh, that's kind of where I, I got broken in with the Glocks. The, uh, when I was a federal agent, that's what we carried. We carried the 40 cal. Um, that's all I carry. I actually have those exact two guns right. you just mentioned. So. And that's what yep. I cut my teeth on, too, was the 40 cal. So that's probably why I'm a little partial to it. I'm just kind of you know kind of used to it. That's what I cut my teeth on but i've got glock nines you know i've got glock 45s i've got them all but uh personally my carry what i you know trust to defend my life with the glock 27 and the glock 23 but you guys can uh choose your own because they've got all kinds of different varieties different sizes and uh, if you want to live that glock lifestyle you can go to their website and you can get t-shirts hats coolers cigar cutters all kinds of things. Uh, you, you think of it, they probably got it at the Glock store. So uh, go check them out at Glock.com. And now we're going to go ahead and make this big announcement, Brady. We've got a new like official sponsor, the official optic sponsor of Talking Lead, 
is Right On USA. Always right on with Right On USA and Brady. Welcome aboard, Brady. I appreciate it. We are happy to be aboard. This is exciting, man. The optics are something new that uh, I'm getting into as far as it was the first I started off with handguns, then I got into rifles. And then, of course, when you get into rifles, then optics become very important. And that's something that I've kind of been putting putting off, putting back, uh, because finding that right optic is, you know, it's like finding the right pair of shoes sometimes. It's kind of trial and error. Uh, but when you find that, that pair that you like, then, you know, that's what you're going to wear. And uh, that's what I'm finding with Right On USA. I'm very proud to have you guys aboard. Not only that, but um, the things that you guys stand for. And that's what we're going to we're gonna get into, talking to Brady about more about Right On, the company, Brady himself. And uh, you guys stand by for that because I hear the jack wagon train rolling in. So we got to take care of these jack wagons first, Brady. I like it. Let's do it. Hoorah, Semper Fi, do or die, hold them high at 8th and I. It is time for the Talking Lead Jack Wagon of the Week, so brace yourself, baby. All right, the train has stationed, and um, the Jack Wagons for this week, uh, we've thrown these guys on before, but this story has developed, and uh, we told you that we would uh, keep you guys posted. And thanks to Brian Lefevre, Leadhead Lefevre, for uh, sending the, this update to us. This is for those you guys may remember back a few months, back around, I guess, February. There was these two dickheads that were trying to make a Second Amendment point by open carrying their guns, their sidearms, their ARs. And one of the media sources said that they were carrying an AP-14, which I have no idea what the hell an AP-14 is. Have you ever heard of an AP-14? I have not. I was reading through this this article, and I have no idea what that is. <laughs> okay, I so do some research, I guess. But <laughs> I, I think this is another made-up Bloomberg uh, firearm, uh, right? Probably like well, an we armor. Corrected, but uh, yeah. I've never heard of it. Like our last episode, uh, the lady said that a uh, a Ruger ten twenty two will kill ten people with one bullet. <laughs> so, uh. So logic that's their logic. So I guess their logic in this AP-14 is that it's an armor-piercing bullet that'll kill 14 cops with one bullet. I don't know. <laughs> so <laughs> so uh, anyway, these guys went to trial, and they lost. <laughs> um, let's give you some background in case you guys don't know the story on this. So there was these two guys. They were in Dearborn, Michigan. They, there was a, a complaint called in. I think they were at a shopping mall. They were wearing full body armor, they had masks on, and they were sitting in this mall parking lot or something. And somebody called the police and said, hey, there's some suspicious looking dudes in the parking lot. Which rightfully so, you know, right? Uh, so the police go, they, they check it out. The guys had moved, I think, since then to somewhere else. But they finally tracked the guys down. They pulled them over, stopped them, asked them, you know, hey, what the hell are you guys doing? What's going on here? Uh, and of course, you know, they make a big deal about it saying, Hey, why are you stopping us? You're infringing on our rights. We're not doing anything illegal, blah, blah, blah. The police officer then says, well, if you got a problem with that, then why don't you come down to the police station and file a complaint? So these guys took him up on his invitation. They show up at the police station and I'm, I'm paraphrasing this whole thing, guys. You can Google this and, and get the whole story. Yeah. Um, but um, 
So they walk into the police station. They've got the ski mask or baklava mask on. They've got their their body armor on. They've got their AR and AP-14, whatever the <laughs> hell that is, slung over their shoulders. They're open carrying in, you know, with their handguns. Which I don't think I don't think Dearborn has a a law one way or the other open or concealed carry um, in place from what I understand I'm not real sure on that but from what I read um, but their whole thing I think is trying to prove that the open carry if there's no laws then it's just understood that you can carry but yeah that's kind of the gist of it looks like what their attorneys arguing is it's completely legal to open carry it's completely legal and i don't think there's any ordinances yeah. against carrying inside the police uh, police station either but at the same time these guys are carrying cameras too you know they're and there's a video of this too you guys can go to um, www.mlive.com google open carry advocates convicted on silliest technicality attorney says you can google that the story will come up uh, but these guys walk in the police station and of course, they're not just you know walking in; they're strutting in. You know, um, obviously, the police officers, as soon as they see them come in, they draw on them and say, "Hey, drop your weapons, get down." Blah blah blah. They're refusing; they're arguing with them, which is stupid. <laughs> they're going to get shot. Uh, I don't know. Maybe they were hoping they got they would get shot. But I got to give kudos to the Dearborn police people for not just popping these guys, you know, right off the bat. Because I mean, that I think that was their whole intention was was to draw some sort of um, what's the word I'm looking for, Brady? Confrontation. Yeah, they were trying to instigate something. Yeah, they were they were obviously instigating something here. Uh, but they eventually surrendered. They were arrested. They were released. They went on trial. Uh, and then this is where this story um comes into into play. So both men, 41-year-old Brandon Virland and of Jackson and 24-year-old James C. Baker of Leonard, uh, they were immediately ordered to the ground, handcuffed, arrested, even though their attorney says it's completely legal to open carry firearms in a Michigan police station. A jury on Friday, July 7th, convicted both men of illegally carrying a concealed weapon, which is punishable by up to five years in prison, but not due to their actions at the police station. So this is where they got them. <laughs> this is my this is my favorite part of this article right here. Mine too. This the is next, this is the good. next part. Yep. So Wayne County prosecutors instead used video recorded by defendants to incriminate them for illegally concealing a firearm prior to the incident with police. Baker was tripped up on the silliest of technicalities, said his attorney who's very confident both carrying concealed weapon convictions will be dismissed on appeal. The jury ruled Baker wasn't guilty of charges of brandishing a firearm nor disturbing the peace. The same jury, however, convicted, uh, it's Vreeland, I think I was calling him Verland, but it's Vreeland, of misdemeanor disturbing the peace and resisting arrest, which carries a maximum sentence of two years in, print, uh, in prison. Video seized by the police showed Baker placing his rifle in a in the trunk of Virland's vehicle sometime prior to them entering the police station. Uh, says, although the attorney said the weapon was unloaded and locked in the trunk as required by Michigan law, it wasn't clear if it was also in a gun case, which is yet another requirement to transport a gun in a vehicle without a concealed pistol license. So they're like, all right, you smart asses. <laughs> We found something that uh, you didn't do right here, and uh, 
it says these guys were they had their permits and could carry, but it says back in 2015, Baker, it says he obtained a CPL license in 2015, but was later charged with disturbing the peace resulting from uh, his involvement in an open carry march in Wayne County. So, I mean, he, he does this stuff all the time, apparently. His CPL was revoked while the case uh, proceeded. The charges were later dismissed, and the attorney says the CPL should have been immediately reinstated uh, in August 2015. So apparently his license that was revoked was never reinstated. So although he thought he was legally carrying, he wasn't because his license wasn't reinstated. And they got him for illegally transporting a firearm uh, to the police station that day. So... (laughs) Um, I think these guys should go to jail. I think they're they're just shit stirrers. They're giving all us other Second Amendment proponents a bad name. I mean, yeah, kudos for for their their passion and standing up for the Second Amendment, but they're doing it the wrong way. They're not doing it the right way. Let's see. It says a Wayne County judge agreed with the attorney and dismissed the carrying a concealed weapons charge against both Baker and Vreeland, but Wayne County prosecutor Kim Worthy's office appealed called it a legal Hail Mary, and won when newly appointed Judge Miriam S. Bazzi reinstated the charges. So they got off, but the uh, prosecutor appealed. There was a new judge assigned to it, and she overturned it and uh, found them guilty. And, of course, these guys are going to appeal that, I'm sure. I think the the biggest kind of underlying thing here though is kind of what you said is i'm all about carrying i'm all about second amendment that's 100 percent what we stand for but go about it the right way it's not yeah. to, to these guys the these guys are they look at me and yeah right. these guys obviously were fishing for the police to confront them by driving around the town wearing these masks wearing the body armor looking threatening they knew somebody was going to call the police they knew the police would eventually you know pull them over they had the video cameras to video all this, so you know they were fully intending to catch everything on video, try to entrap, I guess, the police officers into either beating their asses or shooting them or something. I don't know, but there's video of it, and um, if you listen to the where they walk into the police station, I mean, it gets pretty heated, and you think that they're going to get shot. But again, kudos to the uh, the officers there at the Dearborn Police Station for not, you know, probably putting a cap in these guys' asses that more than deserved it, in my opinion. So, Leadhead Lefevre, I hope that satisfied your curiosity as to uh, my input on this and, uh, mm-hmm. and Brady's. Did you have anything else you wanted to add to it, Brady? No, I think that covers it. I mean, I think it's, it is a right that we all have, uh, according to the Second Amendment, but use it responsibly. That's, that's the thing we always crack up about is like, it is a right, but come on. There's, yeah. there's no reason to try to instigate. I don't take a video every time I, I can still carry. I don't go around looking for trouble. That's, that's the unresponsible side of, of what that it, allows us to do by having the Second Amendment right. It is, and it just opens up. Like this, like these stories, you know, it opens you up for the criticism and you're going to lose when you do something like this every time. Um, the responsible thing to do is if you want to push and promote our Second Amendment, join an organization like NRA, uh, the National Shooting Sports Foundation, and teach and preach safe, responsible firearm ownership, firearm training, uh, firearm maintenance, 
and do it do it by example lead by example yep. um and if you've got a question as to your your local law as to carry or conceal you know how you how you're supposed to carry then you know go to your local law enforcement agency there i guess and talk to them about it but don't go in guns body armor and body armor and you know guns are blazing <laughs> yeah. and thinking that you're in the right because uh you know that's just that's just asking for trouble so i'm on the dearborn police side on this one sorry or not i'm not sorry <laughs> <laughs> i'm really not yeah. what about you you got any uh jack wagons you want to throw on the train this week um, I think that one's a good one. I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to look up a few because we've we were talking prior to the show about some of these instructors and some of the just the misnomers surrounding a lot of this stuff where people you may be in the right, but just because you're in the right doesn't mean it's the right thing to do all the time. And and so I'm gonna definitely have to see who I can submit to this. Cause yeah, there's definitely idea. other ways that you can go about proving that you're right. Um, yep. Because not everybody knows you're right, <laughs> and sometimes <laughs> exactly. Sometimes that might lead to uh, a bullet in your ass. And that goes back to, um, uh, I know you were, you were talking about trainers and whatnot, the, the Voda guy. Um, you know, we've thrown him on a, a couple of times, I think. Uh, he's made the jack wagon train. And, yeah. uh, I mean, we can't throw him on there enough. I mean, he's just a complete idiot. I mean, he's a perfect example of shit you shouldn't do. So watch him and everything he does. Actually, don't watch him. <laughs> Just don't watch do the opposite. him, please. Yeah, just, just don't even put it in there. Yeah, just don't it. Don't watch him. Don't don't encourage him. We don't, you know he just needs to go away. <laughs> Agreed. <laughs> All right, so that's uh, our jack wagon training this week, guys. If you've got a, a jack wagon you'd like to submit, then send your submissions to talkinglead at gmail .com, or you can, like Brian did, send us a message uh, through our Facebook page. We look forward to hearing from you. All right, so now we want to find out more about you, Brady, and Ride On USA. Now, I know this isn't your first time on the show. You you and Sean were on uh, at NRA. Uh, good interview, short interview. We've, we learned a little bit about Ride On, but we're going to get more detail about your company. Did I, did I hit you guys with any of the first-time guest questions? Um, I think we did a few. The, okay. Uh, but you feel free to to shoot again just so we yeah. get it out there. Yeah. So we're gonna we're gonna talk about ride on, and then we're gonna hit you up with some of the new guy questions. I like it. So talk about ride on. How did you guys get into the to the optics business? Um. So the history of ride on and kind of my personal history, obviously, are pretty closely tied. So um, I'll kind of start with me and how that led to ride on. So okay. I. Uh, I've been hunting and shooting my entire life. I actually grew up in Montana uh, on a Black Angus cattle ranch, so I've pretty much been in the outdoors my entire life. Um, started hunting when I was shooting with my brothers and my dad when I was five, six years old, so it's kind of been something that's always been a part of my life. Right. Um, then that led, I uh, ended up joining the military, um, did a tour in the military for about five years, and then... Uh, Kind of ended up uh, after some schooling, ended up as a federal agent out in DC, and that's kind of where the real optics part of this kind of came into just yeah. started being. I, I started consulting for an optics company, um, kind of on design, not necessarily on like the optical engineering side, but more on design, more on the practical application of optics, and and consulting on the what you see, what you touch, what you how the function of 
the zoom ring, the turret, stuff like that, um, mm-hmm. how that actually works in an optic. So uh, I started consulting on that as I was a federal agent. I worked for the Capitol Police out in D.C. Um, the That kind of led some of the consulting work actually kind of led to having the right connections, um, which we all know in any industry is, is incredibly important. So I met the right people. Um, the biggest thing with that was met um, right, the right manufacturers that could actually help us develop some of the things that I thought was missing or lacking in some of the other optics I was working with. Mm-hmm. Um, and we just kind of took it from there. So we started uh, designing our own optics. Um, we started formally started right on uh, about four and a half years ago um, while I was still working full time out in D.C. So I was you can imagine how that went. We were doing an eight to 12 hour day at the Capitol. And then so what were you uh, another, uh, what were you doing? Um, in DC, what was your, so the Capitol police is, uh, Capitol police. Way to, yeah. Okay. Capitol police. So it's the easiest way to describe it is they're the secret services for the legislature, for the executive branch, the Capitol police is for the legislative branch. So, um, we do physical security of the Capitol complex. We do dignitary protection. Um, it's a full fledged law enforcement department. We have bomb techs, K nine, uh, cert SWAT team. So essentially a full, police department but all focused okay. around um the legislative branch in the capital complex. and how long did you do that uh i did that for just over two years okay so you didn't have a good president uh, what's that <laughs> i said so you didn't have a good president to work for <laughs> <laughs> no, no comment right <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah the uh no i uh, unfortunately was doing right on when our, our newest president was elected well let me so, do this rephrase that you didn't have a president that stood behind you to work for that, that had your best interest is, is one of the the chief complaints and, and the hardest thing I had with working out there is it's hard to work for people who don't undermine don't care about the you. fact that yeah. you know they want to be protected with men with guns but they don't necessarily want you to be able to protect your family with a gun so that well that said. was definitely a sticking point for me so yeah well said all right uh, we won't harp on that <laughs> yeah the uh, that definitely is a is a hard thing to swallow when you're when you're doing some of that work but. Uh, you still do it anyways. You you take an oath to do something, you do it. Um, so it's more about the people around you and the people you work with. And there you go. You, you got to do. Um, so yeah, so that's kind of how it started. I was working full time there, working full time, getting right on off the ground. Um, I have two small children, so there wasn't exactly a lot of time left in the day. So uh, I got to the point where it was either we had to choose one or the other. So um, we chose right on, and I, I quit my federal law enforcement position and. Uh, we moved back to Arizona, which was one of the last places I was stationed in the military, um, and we knew it was a really good place to try to run a company. Yeah. So we moved back to Arizona, and uh, I've been uh, kind of running with it ever since. So. Arizona is a good state. Uh, I mean, it gets a bad rap for the heat, but uh, you talk about when people retire and for health reasons, it's like a it's like a really healthy place to live too. Just just the the air and the the environment and everything there. Yeah, exactly. And and you get rid of those three months in the summer and the other nine are awesome months to be outdoors and pretty much anything you can think of outdoors. We have a you know, a seven thousand foot mountain right. minute drive away. We have the desert, we have everything you can think of. So Yeah, and then if you don't like those three months where it's really hot, you just do like you do and go to Montana. <laughs> Schedule events in Montana. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. I'm smarter than I look. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, so Radon kinda of took off from there. Our our biggest thing was getting the product right. So that was kind of the first three years of ride on was really all design research development, um, getting our first couple products, right. We launched our, uh, mod three and mod five lines, uh, about a year and a half. Now we've been doing retail for about a year and a half. Um, been growing incredibly fast. We are 
have dealers in over 10 states. Um, mainly right now, our presence is on the West Coast, um, everywhere from Texas, Arizona, California, all the way up through Alaska. Mm-hmm. Uh, really starting a big push now, kind of growing throughout the country, um, picking up dealers. Just Coming down south. That's the next push. The, uh, we're there working we uh, with some different people down there trying to grow down south. Looking forward to uh, expanding into Tennessee and and Georgia and Florida and and picking up down south. So that's kind of our next big push here. Very cool. Very good. And uh, obviously we can help you with that. Um, I like it. So how did you decide to get into into optics? You said you had done some consulting for a company. Can you talk about which company that was? Uh, Unfortunately, I can't. Okay. uh, I have some some non-disclosure stuff with them as part of my consulting work. No, that's fine. um, I understand. So unfortunately, I can't do that. But yeah, it kind of introduced me to the side of I had always been a user of optics. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't, as most of us, you know, we we buy a scope, we mount it, we use it, it works. We don't really think too much on the inside of right. What and that's kind of what you, you know, yeah, that's kind of the thought process of optics is you you throw it on there and uh, you you know you want to be able to see obviously what you're shooting, uh, and then you shoot uh, exactly. That, that's kind of. Uh, my thought approach, you know, to it until I started getting more into the optics. Uh, but, um, as, as a consultant, that's kind of how that was your exposure to more of the detailed insight of optics and, you know, what it went into them. And, and that kind of where you're like, Hey, I can do better than this. It, right? Honestly, that was exactly kind of how it went as it was. I didn't, I knew that I didn't necessarily, um, personally have the ability that's why i surround myself with people smarter than me uh, on, right. on the optical engineering side so the the internals my thought was from a practical application of wait a minute i know now i can create this i can add this i can i shoot gloves on i grew up in montana in the winters i i want to be able to use this optic 24 7 i want to be able to do different things with it so to to know then we can start actually influencing some of the design some of the changes within what we would want i don't want i want people to buy my optic throw it on their gun and not think about it the way i do because i want it it needs to work it needs to work without thought i just want it to always work but then also in the back of your mind we love it when people are like man i'm really glad you did this i'm really glad the turrets do that because it just makes sense and that's kind of a big part of how we approach everything we do is yeah we we get it out to law enforcement guys. We get all of our our test models and prototypes out to to military guys. We do all our cold weather testing with military snipers up in Fairbanks, Alaska. Um, we want to make sure that it actually works in all those climates. But also, I don't want the end user, the consumer, to have to think about it. It should just work. And then they're like, wow, they were actually had some thought process and how they designed these and how they did the even the relief cuts in the in the zoom ring and how they do the fast focus eyepiece just simple stuff but yeah. we didn't want that's kind of how we approached it what was um all right so you're going into this with the ideas like you know seeing what these guys are doing um as a user of these optics in the military federal law enforcement uh you know here's some things that you know I see that I can do better what was your biggest kind of I guess I don't say argument but maybe your biggest you know the one thing that, that sets you off is like, you know, I really want to make this better in an optic. Um, the biggest one for us, and this is how we approach everything. So we do kind of to answer your question in a roundabout way. We do uh, things a little different with the way we source our, our products. So mm-hmm. we source all our own glass. We source all our own aluminum for our tubes. So one of the big things and that we saw a gap was the consumer market is not the 
three, four, five thousand dollar scopes. Uh, most people can't afford that. Most people don't know how to use um, the attributes that come along with those expensive mm-hmm. scopes. So where we, right. we saw a really big uh, open window was bringing the clarity of glass, bringing some of like the precision of the turrets to the consumer, bringing it in at a five, six, seven, eight hundred dollar price point, and even lower. I mean, we have a two hundred dollar twenty two scope yeah. that uses that same high quality glass. Um, so where we kind of saw a gap was taking a we use we source all our glass from japan so take a high-end japanese glass that people are using in a two or three thousand dollar scope and bring that into a two hundred dollar scope mm-hmm. um let people actually enjoy what, what it's like to not get eye fatigue after two minutes of looking through a scope because the glass <laughs> right. is so crappy you know we wanted to kind of be able to fix that um we say we're not reinventing the wheel at the end of the day it's uh it's a tube with glass in it so we're not reinventing the wheel we're kind of putting our our spin on it and kind of perfecting it to what we would want um and that's why we reach out to so many different people through military hunting law enforcement to help us with our design we don't know right. what everybody wants so we reach out and try to get people to do that so now that it's, was our thought process i mean obviously it's not 100% usa you know, you, you've got to go to other countries to get some of this stuff to get quality, you know, parts and whatnot. The the glass that you're talking about, obviously glass is made from sand. Um, what makes Japanese sand better than Daytona Beach, Florida sand? <laughs> <laughs> well, well, now I'm, I'm going to feel bad if I knock Daytona Beach. The, I don't know. I don't know if anybody's ever made glass out of that. Well, I was going to say because Daytona Beach, that's yeah. where the, all the tourists, they piss in the, they piss in the sand. <laughs> right? <you know? laughs> Um, the biggest difference when it comes to glass is impurities. Um, so every, all sand has impurities in it. So a lot of it has to do with the processing of getting impurities out of the sand before it is actually melted in and we can get in into actually making the lens. Um, so it starts at the base level of that. And then it also goes into the different mixtures of what actually goes in with that sand. Cause it's not just, you're not just heating up sand and turning it into, you know, HDED glass. So the different mixtures that go into that. And then, um, the processes and our coatings. That's another big one too. Um, why we get Japanese glasses, the coatings, we, everything we do is fully multi-coated. So that means every lens is coated for fog proofing, waterproofing. Um, and what are you coating it with? Um, so it's actually without getting too deep into, yeah, don't give away your recipes, but just make our glass good. Um, the, the coatings are, so some of it, so we do like a hydrophobic coating stuff that makes it waterproof. Um, some of the different things that we do increase the ability to stand up to differences in temperature change so it doesn't fog up. Um, and that has to do with not just our coatings, but we either nitrogen or argon purge and seal our scopes as well. So you purge them and seal them with a dry gas inside, and it actually helps with your waterproofing, your fog proofing. Um, so that way there's no moisture built up as a scope goes through heat cycles. Um, mm-hmm. As it goes from you know 20 degrees in the morning to 60 degrees while you're out hunting and then back down cold again at night, you don't get that buildup of moisture inside because it's all yeah. uh, purged and sealed with a dry gas. Now, obviously, you do that step after you've got the you know the tube and the glass and you're putting it all together. Is do you, do you do all that in the United States? So what we do, um, and the biggest, the easiest way to answer this is it's price point dependent. Um, okay. it's impossible to make a $200 scope in the U S so we source all our own parts and then we have them assembled overseas depending on the price point. Um, okay. some, and that's kind of an industry standard. Um, it depends on, uh, some of our lower ones are China. We have some in the Philippines, we have some in Japan. Um, the reason we set up our, 
our sourcing the way we did is we're working towards assembling in the U.S. with parts that we source. And then our ultimate goal as a company is to be 100 um, percent with our high end sub made in the U.S. So that's kind of our, our plan and how we're going about it. That's all price point dependent. Um, mm-hmm. And you can't we would love 100 percent. I mean, I'm a vet. We hire vets. We Well, sure. But you know, a lot of these companies will say that their stuff's, do, you know, you know, made in the USA. But in actuality, you know, it's not. You know, because they do a lot of the things that you're saying that can't do in the USA. It has to be done elsewhere. And right. I mean, you guys are upfront about that. You're not trying to, you know, one hundred percent. We say it's something that's not it's supposed to be labeled when it comes in, where it's made. A lot of companies in our industry and others don't do that. We we don't hide behind it. Some yeah. of our couple hundred dollar scopes are final assembled in China, and I'll tell you, they're final assembled in China. Part that what we do to relieve that is we do a 30 day money back guarantee. Buy my scope. If you don't like it, send it back. I'll give you your money back. I'm not going to hold you to it. If you don't like it, that's fine. It's not for everybody. Yeah. Um, we do our unlimited lifetime warranty, which we, when we set up the company, we took everybody's warranty that was already out there and we beat that by, by what we do is we don't do any refurbing. We don't do any fixing. If you break or manage to break any one of our optics, you send it in within 48 hours, we send you a new one. No questions asked. Boom, we just like that. We don't do registration. We don't do, you know, transferable anything. If, if one of our scopes and your great-grandson owns it 20 years from now and breaks it, we send him a new one. Um, and that kind of alleviates that uh, that fear that people have. It's an unfounded fear, unfortunately, mm-hmm. um, because the, there are some crappy products out there. We all get that. But the way we do it, so we do our own design in the U.S. We do our own testing, our own quality control. Um, we don't ship direct from our overseas factories to our dealers like most other manufacturers do. Everything that we do comes into our facility in Arizona. It's quality control checked. We do random tests on scopes. And then before we ship it out to either our dealers or our end users, we do another quality control check. So that's kind of how we alleviate some of the fears that people have uh, with overseas products. Mm-hmm. We we make sure we get our hands on every single one that comes into our facility before it goes out to our customer. Nice. And, you know, that's, that's a legitimate, when I mean, you say fear, but it's concern, you know? Yeah. I'm, and it's, it's something that I've experienced myself with, uh, with some optics rangefinder in particular, where, um, the, the eyepiece broke off of the, the rangefinder. And I'm like, you know, why is that? Why would that, that's the least, you know, thing that I would think would happen. <laughs> right. Know? think I'd break a glass or something before that. So, and it looks like something that'd be easily reattached, you know, put back on, just put that, that cover back on or something. But I don't know. But anyway, I, I tried to contact the company. I'm not going to say who the company is. And uh, I kept getting the, the runarounds like, well, you need to uh, talk to this department. So I talked to that department and they'd send me to another department. So I finally got in touch with somebody. And uh, basically the, they told me, he's like, well, sorry, um, you know, go buy another one. That, <laughs> wow. That, that was, yeah. And that that's basically... I mean, I'm paraphrasing, but that's basically what they yeah. told me. He's like, sorry, you're shit out of luck. Um, <laughs> we're not going to do anything about it. I was like, okay, I'm done with you. I will not be buying another one of your products, yeah. Right. Um, and it may it may rhyme with Lemons, the name of the company. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it cracked me up. Yeah. <laughs> and, and honestly, I mean, we're, we're consumers as well. That's part of it. I mean, how do you want to be treated? I always hate, you know, these companies who forget that they buy stuff too. Um, the people, our, our, our customers are just like us. We buy products every day from other companies. They buy something from us. How do we want to be treated when I have, have a problem? Um, you don't judge a company on how 
they react when everything's peachy and nothing's wrong. You judge a company on how they treat their customers when something happens. Right. We we test our products. We put them through anything you can think of down to the fact that we literally have scopes in the office that we call our parking lot scopes that whenever anybody's frustrated or pissed off or something happens, they, they take a scope, they walk into the parking lot, they chuck it across the parking lot, <laughs> they go pick it up, they bring it back in. And it's as funny as it sounds, like we use that as testing. Yeah. We have some red dots in there that have been parking lot red dots for parking lot red you dots. Know, um, a year now that look like a banana peel peeling back and the red dot still works, you know? So it gives us an idea of, of kind of- Well, I've got to tell you- and Doing some of that, you know? And as the listeners know- um, if you really want something tested, just give it to me because I'll break it. <laughs> it's just, it boils down to it. If I touch it, I'm going to break it somehow. <laughs> I've, I've done that with ARs. I've done it with pistols. I've done it with Glocks. Even jacked up a Glock. <laughs> so that, takes, that takes talent. It it does. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so, but yeah, I've, I've got a reputation of breaking shit, so... Uh, Good. Well, uh, if it holds up to me, then you got a good product, brother. I, I like it. Yeah. You know, so and, far and so good. Thing, so far so good. Good. I'm happy to hear that. And the yeah. biggest thing we say too is like there, there's no perfect product. There's, there's going to be something that slips through our quality control. There's going to be something that breaks. There's right. going to be something that happens, and that's right. Yeah, I, I hope you break one of ours somehow. I don't, I'm not going to give you ideas how to do it, but if I break one, I, I hope you do because then you'll get to experience what a customer service is like. But Brady, it's like um, it's like I don't go in know. trying to break these things. It's just I'm <laughs> using them using them the way that I would use them, and it's like I broke I broke a um, a side charging handle off of an AR one time. Just snapped it. It's like, uh, was this supposed to do this? Movable. <laughs> He's like, what the fuck did you do? And this was and this was one of their prototypes too. So I mean, it was still going yeah. through some stuff, and we figured out what the problem was. I mean, it wasn't me; it was something that they'd done. Some measurements were off, and okay, uh, but yeah. So yeah, so let's talk good. about let's talk good. about good. your product. Yeah, let's talk about the different products that you guys do offer um, okay. for your optics. Um, um, you've got a you've got a yeah. good variety. I know you're a new company. You're just you're just starting out, and you've got a lot of things coming down the pike as well. Um, but just right off, I mean, you guys have a very good selection. Yeah, I appreciate it. Um, that's kind of our big one. So I'd kind of mentioned earlier to start, we came out with our mod threes and our mod fives. Um, our mod three line is really AR dedicated AR baseline. We do a, uh, five, five, six BDC reticle in all of them. Um, it accounts for, you know, bullet drop out to 600 yards. So it's immediate. You don't have to mess with turrets, anything. You set it in a hundred and you got the bullet drop already calculated for you. So um, that's kind of our mod three line. There's a few other ones in there. We have a two to seven by 32 that's kind of 22 specific. Mm-hmm. Um, but that also worked on, you know, a 22 conversion on an AR. So we leave that within that AR line of our mod threes. Um, and that's everything from a one to four up to a six to 24 by 50. Okay. Um, six to 24 and by then, 50. Yeah, that's the highest magnification in that one. Um, we do then our Mod 5 line, which is kind of a little bit step above that. Um, so keep in mind, same glass, same aluminum. We're, we're not changing quality. We're just changing features. So okay. um, our Mod 5 line, we kind of say, is more dedicated to the general hunting, general shooting. They're not caliber specific like our Mod 3 line is. Gotcha. Um, we have a 1 to 4 all the way up to a 4 to 16 by 40. Um, and we'll be bringing in a six to 24 by 50, uh, first focal plane here in the near future in that line. 
but those are more of our general hunting, general shooting. Uh, those are, you know, the ubiquitous three by nine by 40 hunting optic. Our four to 16 is our number one selling hunting optic. Um, they're all on a 30 mil tube in the uh, mod five line and our mod three line. We have kind of a mix between one inch and 30 mil depending on the optic. Okay. Um, and so those were our first two lines that we came out with. Um, we're actually in the works with a Gen 2 for some of those. Um, our most popular models within those two lines are going to move on to our second generation with some some new features and stuff like that later this fall. Okay. Um, so we're constantly – that's the other big thing is we're constantly taking feedback, taking – we're never too set in our ways to not change, to not fix something, to not update something. If we get the right feedback and we get enough of it, we'll add it into our line. I mean that's that's yeah. the beauty of being a smaller company where we're adaptable and kind of – we let's, can move with the public and, and get feedback and use it. Let's talk about some of this terminology that you're using because I kind of want to I want to talk um, first grade level optics here for for our okay. listeners like me that that are learning about the optics and when I go look at an optic, you know, when you say one uh, one to four by twenty four, what are you talking about? Okay, yeah. So when you look at a in an optic, the first numbers are either are the magnification range. So if it's a single number like a four. Uh, so like you have something that says like a four by 32, mm -hmm. that's a fixed four power. It doesn't have a magnification range. Starts it's off. You're already four magnification right off the bat. Yep. Okay. Um, and then the next number is your objective size normally measured in millimeters. So the objective is the, as it's mounted on the rifle, the farthest away from the shooter's eye is the objective. So the end of the scope, if you will. Mm -hmm. Um, and that gives you the size. So objective, the size of the objective is important. Um, depending on if you're trying to have a small lightweight gun or what you're trying to do with it on the size, actual physical size, but it's also important with light transmission and how much light is actually gathered and coming into the scope. Mm -hmm. So for longer magnification, longer sh or higher magnification, longer shooting, you, you want a bigger objective. So it lets more light into the actual scope, into the glass. Um, so that's where objective size is important. And that would so, be the instance, the rear. No, go ahead. I didn't mean to. That's the yeah. No, that's the. So that would be the end that's closest to the muzzle. So the farthest away from your eye. Okay. That's how that's measured. One closest um, to the, the target. Eye, closest to the target. Yep. Yep. Okay. Um, the the part closest to your eye is the eyepiece, um, which all of ours come with a fast focus eyepiece. So at the very very end of the scope, the closest thing to you. Um, is adjustable for different eyesight, so you can always dial in the clarity. Um, and then as you kind of move down the scope, the closest to the shooter's eye is the eyepiece, and then the fast focus eyepiece, which is adjustable. You move forward a little bit, you have what is called the zoom ring or the magnification ring. Um, so on a variable scope, now not not a fixed power, on a variable like, for instance, a one to four, mm -hmm. that means it's variable power from one magnification, um, which is no magnification, all the way up to, say, four power, which is four times what you would see with your naked eye. That's kind of how that works. So when I say the numbers like a six to 24 by 50, that means it's a six power at the minimum, variable up to a 24 power, um, with everything in between, and then the 50 refers to the size of the objective, the the part of the scope closest to the muzzle. Okay, very good. And then if it's got like an IR at the end of it? So IR for us just stands for illuminated reticle. Yeah. Um, we do offer some. Our illuminated reticles in our scopes, um, this is a kind of a misnomer that people have. They're not a red dot. It's not a, a red dot optic in the sense of a bright light in the middle of the day. They're an illuminated reticle, which is used for low light meaning early morning, late at night hunting or late evening hunting, um, transitioning in and out of buildings where you have different light 
coming from bright to dark to bright. Mm-hmm. Um, that's where you would use an illuminated style reticle. Right. Um, they're not an, a, what you would consider a red dot optic. Red dot. But you guys offer red dots, and we'll talk about those in, in just a minute. Yep. Um, so you also said uh, first focal plane. What are you talking about when you say so, Yeah, so uh, first and second focal plane. So the majority of scopes um, in the past, it's starting to change now a little more to first focal plane, but the majority of scopes have always uh, been second focal plane. So second focal plane means the reticle stays the same size as you zoom in on your target. But as you zoom, the target actually gets bigger, if that makes sense, because you're zooming in on that target. So the higher the magnification, the bigger the target looks. Mm-hmm. But your reticle in perspective, not to get too keep it at the first grade level. Stuff yeah, yeah. With this. Um, keep it left hand uh, level. <laughs> okay. The target gets bigger, the reticle stays the same size. So the the perspective and the ratio of how much of the target the reticle picks up doesn't it actually changes so the 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 target actually takes up more of your focal well so at low magnification the reticle would take up more of the target at high magnification the reticle would take up less of the target because the the target gets bigger but the reticle stays the same size okay and by reticle i mean crosshairs the crosshairs inside the scope gotcha in a first focal plane optic, um, at the base level of, of how that works, is it actually maintains the same um, ratio throughout the zoom range. So if the, a good way to look at it is, so say like a, a mil dot scope, everybody's familiar with a mil dot reticle. Um, if at one power that mil dot is, say, placed on a, a uh, for lack of a better example, placed on a, a human-sized head on a silhouette target. If it covers that whole target, the whole head at one power, as you zoom and the target gets bigger in your in your scope, the reticle actually grows in ratio to how fast you zoom. Mm-hmm. So, at highest magnification, it'll the reticle actually appears to grow. So it'll actually be it'll still take up that same size head of the target, if that makes sense. Right. So, so it actually it goes with the zoom, so that way your reticle proportions stay the same through no matter what zoom that you're at. Gotcha. And that's first focal plane. That's the first focal plane. Yeah, it's, what's per- it is hard to kind of dump that down. So, what's preferred? So um, depends and, on what you're doing. Most, right. Like I said, most scopes of the past were second focal plane. Most scopes that are probably on the market now that people have are second focal plane. Um, people who are doing sniping, long-range shooting, um, range estimation, that's where a first focal plane comes in, where you can actually use the reticle within your scope to judge distances based on um, – on range estimation on how much of the the reticle is taken up by the target at any given zoom. Um, so first focal planes traditionally in the past, it's, it's changing a little bit now, but traditionally in the past they were military law enforcement snipers, uh, precision rifle shooters, stuff like that was mainly first focal plane um, where you weren't actually using your reticle for range estimation or anything like that, or where you were second focal plane where the, where our hunters and kind of just your general shooter, uh, and like I said, the majority of optics out there on the market and on people's scopes are, are probably second focal plane. Right. But yours are first. Uh, we do a mixture of both. So yeah, mixture of both. Okay. We, have, we have some that are first focal plane. That, uh, a lot depends on what the shooter is looking for and what the application for that's going to be. Um, our Mod 3 line on the AR platform is all uh, second focal plane. Um, our Mod 5 line, we have a mixture of first and second focal planes depending on the application that is going to be used by the shooter. Mm-hmm. Now, you talked about the reticles. Mm-hmm. Talk about the different types of reticles and 
pros, cons, benefits when you would use want to use a certain reticle over another reticle? Um, yeah, the reticle world has really grown and as of late. It used to be kind of the ubiquitous, what we call a duplex reticle, which um, is just four lines that meet in the middle and that's your that's your center point. Um, uh, and they could either be, you know, thicker on the edges and then thinner towards the middle. Um, that's kind of the standard old duplex that we all had in scopes growing up. Um, as of late, reticles have gotten a lot more um, complex all the way up to um, some like horse reticles that are out on the market that do ranging for you and you can calculate how fast a vehicle's moving and holdovers all within the reticle. Um, what we try to do is make it to application and weapon platform specific. So like I was saying earlier on our, our AR platform, our Mod 3 reticle or our Mod 3 scopes, we use a bullet drop compensated reticle, a BDC reticle it's called. Um, and the nice thing about that is every we do the calibration work for you. You zeroed at 100 yards. The next hash mark down, it's a graduated hash mark system on mm-hmm. the medical on the elevation. So the next hash mark down, you hold that. If you know you're shooting 200 yards, you hold that mark on the 200-yard target, and it automatically calibrates for the drop of the bullet. So instead of having to re-click each time, you just use those um, those guides yep. on the reticle itself and adjust exactly. adjust your uh, I guess your your gun position. Yeah, lack it, of a better it, term, I guess. Essentially, yeah, it, it calculates the holdover for you. So instead of using the old kind of Kentucky windage type thing where you're just kind of holding the, the crosshairs above the target, this actually it calculates mm-hmm. it for you. Um, so we do that on our AR platform, uh, specific optics in our Mod 3 line. Our Mod 5 line, because it's not specific to a caliber, we have a lot of different reticle options from illuminated center dots to, like I kind of said earlier, our mill dot reticle. Um, we have a duplex reticle in our three by nine standard hunting rifle optic. Um, we have ranging target reticles. So a, a lot just depends on the application mm-hmm. and what you're actually going to be using it for. If you're a bench shooter that is needs to know known distances and you sit on a bench at the range and shoot all day, then we have a, a reticle for that. If you're a hunter, if you're a, okay. So you, you can know, specify which reticle you, you, you want on your, so right now our reticles are already chosen for you in the actual optic but we're getting to a point now that's going to kind of be one of our next things that we roll out over the next little bit is the ability to choose a reticle um for whatever optic you want right now to initially with the launch we did was we kind of picked the most popular reticle for that application Mm -hmm. um and then moving forward we're going to be starting to do some customizing with different reticles options nice now you guys also have new out you've got a a mod seven correct let's talk about your mod sevens yeah, so our um, our Mod 7 line was just released about three weeks ago, actually. Um, we have currently on the market, we have a 4 to 20 by 50, which is kind of our high-end, high-performance hunting optic. Um, it's really aimed at the the hunter who wants the high-quality glass, same glass we use in all our scopes, but we, we have a high-quality glass in there. We do a 30-mil tube. Um, we have some higher tolerances within our reticle systems. We have a push-pull, or within our turret systems. Um, we have push-pull locking turrets, um, and it's really what I consider our 4 to 20 by 50 is our, our, for lack of a better term, just a bare-bones, good, high-quality hunting optic. Good um, overall optic. It doesn't have, yeah. yeah, it doesn't have illumination. It doesn't have a lot of things in it because a lot of states don't allow hunting with anything that's electronic in the optic. Oh, really? Um, then that yeah, counts? Illumination counts? <laughs> yeah, illuminate anything electronic, even if it... <laughs> Even if you don't have a battery in it, if it contains electronic circuitry, there's states out there that won't let you hunt with that optic. So 
our goal with our mod 7 4 20 by 50 was just to make a really robust hunting optic that could be used anywhere some of these hunting laws really need to be um reevaluated <laughs> seriously they're very antiquated some of them so i think uh they're due definitely for an update kind of catch up with technology yeah yeah definitely so um uh, so that's one mod 7 you've got a whole line of mod 7s yeah, we have a 5 to 25 by 56 uh, with a 34 mil tube. Um, that one is a first focal plane, uh, mil dot reticle, and either uh, and we do different adjustments too um, for MOA and um, MRAD adjustments, mil rating adjustments depending on how you were trained. Um, and then uh, here in another couple of weeks, we're going to be releasing our Mod 7 1 to 5 by 24 optic uh, illuminated reticle. And that one is currently in the hands of several of our uh, sponsored three-gun shooters, kind of as some of our prototype testing. Mm -hmm. um, and that one actually has what we're calling our ride-on quick acquisition target or uh, quick acquisition reticle, which is made to immediately when that scope is in front of your eye, you can pick up the reticle, you can pick up the target, and you can pull the trigger. Um, we've been having a lot of success with it um, and some three-gun competitions with our shooters. So we're really, really excited for that one to get That's out on nice. the market here. We got to get that one in Casey's hand. Yeah. And we we will get some sent out to you and get some people's feedback for sure. Is that all the mod seven? You got more mod sevens? That's all the mod sevens coming out right now. Uh, we have a few in the works that uh, I'll definitely have to come back on here in a month or so and, yeah. and give the good news because yeah. we have a couple really good things in the works. Um, and we're also going to be releasing. I can tell you this fall, we're going to be releasing our mod one series, which is mm. kind of our lower end series, kind of a little more affordable optic. Mm -hmm. um, once again, your glass, your optics are affordable already. I mean, yeah, this one relatively speaking for the quality and the price. My gosh, I mean these you guys got to go to Right On USA, look, check their reticles out, compare them to the other companies that are out there. If you find any that are cheaper than theirs, then they're going to be just that they're going to be cheap. You know, they're going to be cheap piece, pieces yep. of crap. These guys have the high quality um, product out there, the high quality. I mean, I, I compare you guys to to Vortex. And I think Vortex is a good a good quality uh, scope out there. And compared mm -hmm. to where they were when they started to where you guys are now, I mean, you guys are blowing them out of the water. Yeah, I appreciate That's it. That's uh, just my personal opinion. No, I appreciate it. And we, we kind of use them. It would be dumb not to, to know your competition when coming into a market. So we use them. We use some of the other optics companies out there and, and kind of took what they were doing and tried to do it a step further. We we beat them on our glass quality. We beat them on our aluminum quality. We beat them with all, our warranty. Um, that was something that was really You can't beat that warranty. I mean, that's that's a bit. You can't go wrong. If you don't like it, you can send it back. If you break it, you can send it back. Lifetime warranty on that. You know, yep. you got 30 days to send it back if you don't like it, just in general. Uh, but then a lifetime warranty, uh, if you ding the thing up, break it, you know, whatever. You can't, can't beat that. And I love the, if you, when, when you guys get a chance, go to the website right on USA.com and actually look at the warranty and feel free to compare that to anybody's. There's no small print in our warranty. That's the, that was one of the big things for us is we don't try to fool anybody. We're not trying to play games. We're not, that's not who we are. That's not what we're about. So yeah. it's not, yeah, an unlimited lifetime warranty, but read the fine print. Ours is Unlimited lifetime warranty. Something happens, we take care of you. We get you a new one in your hands, and you get back to doing whatever it was that you were doing. Um, That's cool. Now we didn't so, talk about your red dots either. Let's talk about your red dots. Perfect. Yeah. So uh, currently, we have our Mod Three RRD, our rifle red dot, um, is out on the market right now. It is um, what we took from the competition is we wanted a lighter weight, 
um, a more robust, something that's in a smaller package. Um, it comes with a cantilever mount. We designed it with a 30 millimeter tube. So if you don't like our mount, that's fine. You can use any other off aftermarket mount on the, in the industry. Um, we kind of try to think of a lot of different things for people and how they would actually use this. It's aimed at, like I said, rifle red dot. It's aimed at the AR market currently. Um, we've mounted a bunch to even using just our 30 mil scope rings. We mounted a bunch to lever actions all the way to, to big game 357s. Um, so it's a really robust optic. That was the kind of the one that I told you was our one of our parking lot red dots that uh -huh. literally looks like a banana that's peeling back but still picking. And <laughs> the red dot that's accurate, we take it out to the range and put it on. And we're going to actually be putting out a video pretty soon of of showing the accuracy that it still holds zero after all, all the parking lot frustration throws. So nice. it's kind of a, something that kind of show people because that's the first question is like, well, that's great. You can beat up your optic because it holds zero. Yeah. And we're going to, that's one thing that we're real proud of is they're not just durable aesthetic wise, they're durable of actual usage. So yeah. And you said uh, it was adjustable. It's adjustable on the intensity. Yep. So it has, uh, it has six different settings. The first two settings are night vision compatible. Um, that was really big for us because we actually have picked up some law enforcement contracts with this red dot already. Um, so it's it's night vision compatible. Um, it has an off between each setting, so it's not one of those that you have to spin it all the way back around to zero. You can pick your favorite setting, four, five, six, whatever it may be, and just go off six, off six. You don't have to spin it all the way back around. So we kind of try to add in a few user features that we would want in a red dot. Um, it's incredibly lightweight without the mount. It's under six ounces. Um, nice. The, uh, or sorry, with the mount, it's under six ounces. So without, it's, oh, with it's the mount, lighter than that. Okay. with the mount, it's under six ounces. So it's, uh, it's incredibly lightweight, really robust. Um, we're actually here. I'm, I'm happy to announce cause I think we teased you a little bit at NRA. Our, uh, uh -huh. our new micro red dot is coming out here and will be on the market within the next two weeks. Oh, so nice. we went even, we went even smaller. So this one, um, we took kind of a different approach where we, it is set up and comes with a co-witness mount for an, for an AR platform, but also in the box, it comes with a medium and a low, uh, so it can mount flush to any rail system. Oh, nice. Um, so this one actually out of the box can go on ARs, 22 shotguns, whatever you want to put it on any yeah. rifle that you can mount it on it. It'll have the correct height mount in the box for you to mount it on. Very cool. And that's going to um, be out in a couple of weeks. That will be out in a couple of weeks. Yep. Uh, everything nice. will be up on the website shortly. Okay. Um, along deal. with that, we're releasing our uh, 3X magnifier that goes with the red dots. Um, so that will be out in a couple of weeks as well at the same time. So that one you can either pair up with our current rifle red dot or, or with the micro red dot that's oh, coming cool. out. So and you guys are doing a magnifier also. Very good. That, that was going to be my next correct. question. Yep. Yeah. Yep. We're, we're timing the release. So it comes out at the same time as that micro. Um and it also works with our current red dot that's out on the market. Very cool. Now, is it going to come with um, a mount as well? It does. It comes with a flip side mount. Perfect. It does. Um, the one we went Love with it. this time um, is a it's a spring action. So you pull back, flip it to the side. It locks in place. So it's a positive lock when it's either flipped to the side or on top. So it's not flopping around, not moving around at all. Um, and actually, if you look... Um, if you one of your sponsors, Frontier Tactical, we work with them. Mm -hmm. and we you kind of kind of sneak peek peek of a couple of our prototypes with the micro and the uh, that yes. magnifier on a few of their Warlock guns. Yeah, they had them at NRA. Yep. Yeah. Well, they uh, they've been doing some testing for us for a while, and the the fun thing with that is we mount the magnifier on the upper of their AR system, and then you mount a red dot on their interchangeable barrel, 
And so you all you have to do is have a red dot that's on each barrel and it's zeroed for that caliber, zeroed for that barrel. It stays with that barrel system and the magnifier stays with the upper. So when you change out to a new barrel, you're mm-hmm. automatically zeroed with your red dot and you just start shooting. That's awesome. The re- you know, That's awesome on the red dots. I'm looking forward to, to getting those magnifiers in the 3X magnification. Um, I've actually been, you know, shopping around. And I didn't realize that you guys were coming out with that, so I'm glad you told me. So, <laughs> stop shopping. I'm done. Uh, yeah, I'm done. Yeah, is. absolutely. Um, now another thing that you guys do, uh, I know that you've got binoculars out, and you're working on yep. spotting scopes. They're not out quite yet, but talk about your your binos and your spotting scopes. So uh, our first bino out was we really wanted to hit that lightweight um, sort of the hunting market because that's the majority of bino users. Um, we, we came out with a 10 by 42. It's an HDED glass, which is not high definition. It's high density, um, and extra dispersion. It's how the, the molecules back to glass. It's how the molecules within the lenses are arranged. So it gives you a really, really crisp picture without distortion. Um, so yeah, they're 10 by 42 HD glass. Um, like I said, it's a magnesium alloy. It's super lightweight. We have videos out there of us parking a Humvee on top of them. Are you serious? Um, they're strong <laughs> as hell. They have, uh, adapter for a bipod or tripod so you can hook them up to a tripod and sit all day in glass um they uh the price point is incredibly good for the quality that you're getting um we've had people trade in some of their their german glass for side-by-side comparisons and like holy shit i could have saved six hundred dollars for right if i would have checked these out and end up you know buying buying some of ours so yeah we're extremely happy with those um some more different uh, magnification and different objectives coming soon. So some maybe some 15 by 50s and some other ones like that we're testing out. Um, spotting scopes is a huge thing that everybody wants us to do because yes. they love the clarity of the glass we use. Um, they are in the works. One of the biggest things for us is we do not release anything until we 120% know it's right. So if that means blowing through a date that we expected to release it because we don't like the way this functions or that looks or whatever, we 100% do that. So um, I don't give any dates. We are working on spotting scopes and we're working on another pair of binoculars. What we like to do um, is kind of fit them up with our product line. So right now our binocular that's out is part of our Mod 5 series. Mm-hmm. Um, so in theory, we would be, we're trying to come out with a Mod 3 and a Mod 7 binocular as well as some different magnification ranges within those series. Um, and then that's how we're going to make our spotting scopes as well fit into each one of those series as far as price point and application. So those are cool. uh, definitely in the works. We are always developing and always testing. It never it never stops. So. Yeah. So you guys, I mean, you got a to be a new company. I mean, you've got a wide variety of of products out there available. The red dots, um, the the scope, the rifle scopes themselves with the three different levels. You got the mod three, mod five, now the mod sevens. Uh, your binoculars, you're coming out with spotting scopes, you got the magnifiers, uh, and then there's a couple other things that you're working on. Uh, can't talk the, about uh, yet. But. Yeah, the Mod 1s will be out too in this fall, which is nice, a little addition to kind of rounding out that whole product line. So Yeah, I mean, that that's cool. So, I mean, you guys, Leadhead, you got to check out Right On USA. You're not going to be disappointed. You got the Leadhead guarantee as well. And uh, you guys, uh, you guys have set up the lead heads with a little discount code too, right? We have. We try to take care of your listeners for sure. Yeah. So you guys use the lead head discount code. Go to their website, whatever you want. Use the lead head discount code, and uh, you're going to get a nice, generous discount. And then, just so happens, if you uh, for our military law enforcement lead heads out there, 
he's got a special discount code set up for you guys. You want to tell him what that is, Brady? Uh, yeah, actually. So the way we work our program is we handle it. We don't outsource it to a third party or anything like that. So all you have to do is, uh, write into us info at rideonusa.com. Um, you send us a, a, just take a picture with your cell phone of your ID, your DD214, whatever it may be. Um, and we do a 40% discount for military vets, law enforcement, um, all first responders. So nice. we do a 40% off and we handle all that ourselves. So we, uh, kind of being both military and law enforcement background and um, I'm a fourth generation military. So we're, we're big on taking care of those who serve us, you know, our country and our, our communities. Yes, you are. And that's another thing that uh, while we partner so well together, you guys, you guys are a member of the Antiris Alliance uh, as, as are we. And uh, obviously you're veteran owned. Um, now, do you have a partner? Is it, is it just you? It's just us. Me and my wife started this company, and okay. it's it is us, family owned and operated. But uh, right on, uh, obviously, as you guys uh, can guess, I mean, they support our law enforcement, our military, first responders, uh, and this is another way that they do that by offering this this awesome discount on their products. The uh, we kind of have uh, not to dive too deep into it, but we do. Uh, we have an initiative called our Right on Heroes Initiative, and we we well, let's talk about that. Yeah, so we do. We have our initiative called Ride on Heroes um, that we're kind of just getting spun up now. But we we take it as a as kind of an opportunity to serve those that serve us. It's not um, it's not one of those things where we're you know out there necessarily right now building houses for vets and stuff like that. We want to get to that point, but we're we look at it as you know that young young enlisted guy who maybe needs a little extra help this month because his car broke down or mm-hmm. some different things like that. So we try to showcase some people that are doing good things within um, what we call our heroes, our law enforcement, our military communities, um, and then we try to just kind of give back. We uh, this fall once the weather actually cools down in Arizona, we do um, a monthly luncheon where we just pull out the barbecue grill and any military. We got a local military base. We invite them all out. We get them a lunch, just hang out awesome. and, and, you know, be able to spend time with each other. And we work with the vets and a lot of the vet community locally and, and, and nationally as well um, with some different charities with uh, Special Operations Wounded Warrior and uh, the Special Operations Charity Network. We do some stuff with them as well. So okay, very it's, good. It, it's big for us to give back and kind of try to showcase some of those people. And yeah. a, a big key for us is it's not just the people who make the news. We, we appreciate the the Medal of Honor winners and, and everything like that, but everybody that answers the call to serve is a hero in our book, and, and we try to do anything we can do to help out. So, Amen. Yeah. So another reason for you guys to support Ride On USA, the more you support them, the more they're going to be able to do good work like that and, like you said, eventually get to the uh, building of the houses and stuff like that too. So. Yep, exactly. Very good. I need to hook you up with uh, Sheepdog Impact Assistance. Okay. Get you in touch with Sergeant Major Lance Nutt. Um yeah, you'd fit in fit in well with their organization, no doubt. What was it again? Sheepdog Sheepdog Impact Assistance. Sheepdogia.org. Okay. Yeah, I'll take a look. So, uh, another thing that you guys you have you've got what's called your pro staff and you've got some um celebrity type folk out there. Uh <laughs> Yeah, well, so we kind of approached our pro staff a little differently. We didn't just go out there and find, you know, the top guys that do three gun or long range shooting and kind of sign them to to hawk our goods. We we kind of wanted to have that, as you can tell, that kind of underlying theme of like veteran support and and law enforcement and first responder support. And so we kind of 
worked our pro staff team a little differently. Um, I'll throw out some of the names and, and these are people that have actually approached us. That's the beauty of it is we kind of put the word out that we were looking for some people that are like-minded and wanted to work with us. We don't pay them anything. Um, we've given them, you know, a free bino or a free scope here or there, but we don't pay them anything. We don't do anything. They're doing it out of, you know, their support. Cause for they us believe in you guys and your product. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. So um, and a few of the big ones we do, um, Aaron Tippin, he's been in the country music industry for, I think he just celebrated 25 years. Oh, yeah. He's, uh, he's, he's part of our pro staff. He's actually doing, we picked, uh, he's in the middle of a 31-stop uh, tour. We picked 10 of the dates that, uh, that he wanted to do, and we're actually getting the local chief of police up on stage. Um, and, and some of the guys that work with, that the chief of police wants to honor, um, they come up on stage during the concert Aaron kind of thanks them, gives them one of our scopes as kind of a, oh, a little cool. thank you. Um, and kind of an appreciation for what they do and our, our, our process of, of wanting to thank them. And it kind of gives an avenue for that chief of police too, to kind of thank some of his guys that he wants to bring to the concert and get up on stage too. Very so cool. Aaron's been great with that. Um, Rick Monroe, another country country music artist, has been helping us a lot. Yeah. Um, uh, some of the other ones were actually been um, early Mandrell. She contacted us the other day. I guess uh, <laughs> she has a, an album that's going to be dropping on Veterans Day. Um, and she kind of heard of what we were doing with Aaron and some of that stuff. And she was like super ecstatic to want to get on board and help us out. So that's great. Um, <laughs> yeah. So we're talking with her. Um, some other just kind of some random ones. We have uh, a good friend, Tyler Falwell. He's a major league baseball pitcher. Um, out of nowhere, I was contacted. I don't know if his name rings a bell, but uh, Bill Kazmaier. He was uh, the sounds... world's strongest man. Yeah, I, I know he, him. Yeah. yeah. yeah he, uh, I watched he a, documentary, up... a documentary on him the other day. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. Oh, he's a great guy. He, <laughs> he cool. lives up in Alaska, and my phone rang one day, and he's like, this is Bill Kazmaier. And I was like, ah, I grew up watching you compete, you know? So <laughs> Right. World's kind of Strongest a, Man cool. competitions. Yep. Taking that, you know, one inch rebar and bending it over his head. and Carrying like, refrigerators. Uh, and <laughs> <laughs> exactly. He's like, hey, I, I bought a couple of your scopes from a dealer up here. I heard your story and what can I do to help? I want to, I want to help push your brand and I want to be part of things. So he's, uh, he's on our pro staff. Um, we, I'll tease this cause it's in the final, final little bit, but, uh, Hoist Gracie, um, the first UFC hall of famer, nice. um, you know, everybody knows who he is. Uh, he reached out kind of, he has a, a big heart for veterans and stuff like that too. So he's, he reached out, um, we're kind of in the process. He, he's a little bit bigger star. So we're working through the stuff with his agent right. right now, but he's, uh, he's on board. Um, and then we have a bunch of other ones that people just want to help out. Um, Andrew Callis is a renowned professional photographer that uh, he he's actually helping us out with some of the uh, Aaron Tippin events, and nice. he just wanted to you know kind of donate his time and help us out. So it's kind of been fun. Uh, now, are you guys posting um, where people can go and maybe see these guys out in public and and? Yeah, so we're actually um, kind of version 2.0 of the website will be dropping here in a couple of weeks, which has a dedicated, um, now our pro staff team is fairly built out, um, it has a dedicated page for our pro staff that will be um, updates and all the different events and all the different things they're doing so people can kind of get involved and see what they're doing, um, yeah. as well as obviously our social media and everything, we, we talk about it and any events that we do in conjunction with these guys, we obviously talk about it and post it out, so... Very cool. And now you got left hand of talking lead on that, uh, like that pro it. staff. Uh, yep. <laughs> um, so yeah, you guys make sure uh, when they get that new website up, uh, go check that out. And um, you never know who else they're going to add on that pro staff. So be paying attention. We'll probably get some of those guys on the show too. 
So that'll be cool. Yeah, I know someone would love to talk with you. So love to have Aaron on. Would love to get the Kaz on. That would be awesome. Um, the baseball player guy. I'm not familiar with him, but that'd be cool. Love talking sports. Okay. Get him on. Yeah, well, definitely. You know, he's an up and coming pitcher um, with the Royals organization. So I'll. Uh, we can definitely make that happen. The Royals with cheese. Very cool. Yep. <laughs> right. <laughs> now it's time for the talking lead. Back to fight the myths. And just so happens, Brady's got a myth he would like to debunk in the optics world. What do you got for the, Brady? So the number one thing that we run up against, um, and obviously it has its place, but the number one thing we run up against is the level of magnification people actually need in an optic. Um, yeah, because I want the biggest that, magnification yeah, I can get, man. <laughs> everyone thinks that the higher the magnification, the better the scope. That's what everybody thinks. Um, and we run into that all the time. And by the time we actually talk through them and what their usage is and what their needs are, it never ends up being the scope that they right. actually think that it is. I want to be um, able to shoot the shit out of a fly's ass at a thousand yards. <laughs> <laughs> right. And the next question I have is, well, what kind of gun do you have? What kind of training do you have? And, you know, so we get right. that's part of what we do. We personalize, you know, kind of the shopping experience of going into got a Ruger 1022. I want to take out 2000 yards. <laughs> exactly. So it's part of that myth is that it's going to make you want a better shot. But people don't realize that the tighter the higher the zoom the tighter and the smaller what we call in the industry the exit pupil so what you actually see the picture you actually see through the scope so as you zoom in you get less peripheral you get less the the picture gets smaller yeah essentially for lack of a better term so yes it can help you zoom in on a paper target under perfect circumstances and you're shooting a two mile shot then obviously you need a decent amount of magnification um Part of that myth is most people think that they shoot a lot farther than they actually do. Um, you're not taking 1,500-yard shots on white-tailed deer, uh, but people right. want a scope that they can do that. So I think because they put a 25-power scope on there, it's going to make their gun go that much further, too. It's... Exactly. And that's, <laughs> you know, and we realize the more I talk to people and the more, like, you look at history, I mean, some of the most successful snipers in the world, going back to Hathcock and Marine Corps and... You know, they were using fixed four powers. They were using fixed nine powers. Um, we actually just had a law enforcement organization switch over to some of our Mod 7 optics. Um, and they've been a successful tactical law enforcement um, department for the last, you know, 20 years using a fixed nine power. You don't need um, <laughs> that. The myth that, that definitely is in this industry is that a, the more magnification, the better a scope is, which that's in certain yeah. circumstances, that's the case, but it needs to match up to the application. That's kind of what we try to preach to people is if you're shooting white-tailed deer at 100 yards, you don't need a 25-power scope. Right. You so know, what would be ideal for just, in your opinion, hunting? Again, I know it depends on where you're at in the environment, but just in general, hunting whitetail. Um, honestly, the, the scope that's been around, I grew up and cut my teeth on it. The scope that's been around forever is a variable three by nine by 40 scope. Right. Um, it gives you a three power. You can glass, you can take in a lot of, uh, of terrain and be able to look through it at nine power. You're zoomed in close enough for that two, three, 400 yard shot, but you're not so zoomed in that you're losing. If the deer walks out of your sight picture, for instance, mm-hmm. um, or if you, you know, cause if some you hiccup, <laughs> Yeah, exactly. You need to be able to still have awareness of what's around your target. Um, so honestly, a uh, variable three by nine, I've killed elk and deer and moose and you name it with three by nine, uh, growing up. The, 
obviously, like I said, it's application specific. We have, you know, dangerous game hunters that only want a one to four power because they want to be able to see everything when that that line or something or that Cape Buffalo decides to charge at them. Um, But then there's also those, you know, if you know you're shooting a a 1500 yard shot, then I understand that you need that. But yeah, the biggest myth with that we deal with is the more magnification is means it's a better scope or it means it's going to better fit what you're trying to do, which is not necessarily the case. I mean, I currently have our mod five, uh, four to 16 by 40 on my 300 web mag that I use for hunting. And I maybe zoomed it to 14 once or twice while I sighted it in. I killed a deer last year at, um, at like eight power, you know, at like 275 yards. So yeah. one of the, you know, it's, it, it's application specific. Barely used half of its capability. Yeah. Exactly. You yeah. know, cause I want to see if I hit it and I wound it, if it takes a run, I want to be able to immediately see where it's going. I don't want to be so zoomed in that now I'm right. trying to figure out what the hell just happened, you know? And just cause so, you can zoom in 25 times, does it make it a, a better scope for what you need? Exactly. Yeah. It, it is hundred percent application specific, not just one size fits all. And that's kind of yeah. what the big myth that we, we fight every day. And it does not make your bullets go further. <laughs> right Uh, if i could see two miles my bullet must go two miles yeah if i could see it i Uh, my bullet can reach it yeah right not yeah exactly once you put the fucker in orbit and (laughs) (laughs) yeah exactly drop it from a satellite like a a mortar round right (laughs) very good very good And, and that's kind of you know i used to think that too i mean i when i would look at a scope you know and i'd be shopping for scopes and you know, I see like a three by nine and then I'd see one over here. I was like, oh, that's a, that's a four to 16. I mean, that's got to be a better scope. Maybe I should get that one. And then I'll, you know, look over here and see one that does a little bit, you know, a little bit more magnification. Um, I'm like, well, shit, I might as well get the most from my money, you know, kind of my thought process, but that's not the way it is. Right. Yeah. So I fell into that myth. I fell into that trap before. Well, that's a good, that's a good fact to fight the myth. <laughs> good. We're here to, we're here to fix it. Exactly. Yeah. I just, I had to do this cause I know we looked at this before, but like, literally one of the most famous snipers in history is Carlos Hathcock from the Marine Corps. And mm-hmm. most of his shots were used using either an eight power or a 10 power. And that's, and we're talking, that's one of the most successful snipers in the world. Granted, um, you know, times change and technology changes. So there's a, there's a time and a place for that, but right. that's just, we want people to consider what the application is before you just jump and try to find, you know, what's the most, what's the most powerful scope you have? Well, what are you actually using it for? That's, that's our next follow on question, you know? Very good. All right. So, um, real quick, I'm going to run through these questions with you. We're going to learn a little bit more about Brady. And uh, the first question you've already answered, you do have a law enforcement military uh, background. Uh, Is there any detail you want to go into that? Do you want to talk about the the branch you were with, uh, what you did? Um, yeah, we can go into it. The, uh, I was in the air force. Um, I actually did air traffic control. So I was, uh, I was a tower, um, air traffic controller, uh, okay. cool. tends to be a stressful job until you actually get the hang of things. And then it becomes very bored and mundane. So yeah. and then you'd start yes. drinking and <laughs> <laughs> Thus, not wanting to do it the rest of my life. <laughs> exactly. Start, start playing Galaga <laughs> while you're supposed to be watching. <laughs> while you're supposed to be working. And, <laughs> right. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. I, I've got an aviation background. So. Nice. <laughs> it's always the controller's fault. So yeah. So yeah. and then you talked about um, you've been shooting since you were nine. What was the what was the first gun, first rifle that you shot? Uh, I've been shooting even since earlier than that. I think probably my five or six. Oh okay. I, okay. I shot. Um, 
we had an old, um, which is funny now that I own an optics company. Um, we had an old iron sight, um, 22 that was a tube feed. I believe it was a, I can't remember if it was a Remington or Winchester. I think it was a, a Remington old tube feed, um, mm -hmm. old 15 in the tube, one in the pipe. Um, that's what I grew up shooting. The, uh, my dad actually had a scope for it and wouldn't let us use the scope until we were actually proficient with the iron sights. Um, and to be honest with you, even as an owner of a scope company, this may sound in, you know, not intuitive, but I recommend that too. If you, you need to be able to use that, those backup iron sights, you need to be able to know your weapons platform well enough. And then when you put that scope on top, it's amazing the difference it makes. But uh, I love the fact that my dad gave me that grounding and here's a 22, two feet, here's a box of 22s, go right. shoot some squirrels, go go do whatever you want to do and you're going to learn to shoot with iron sights and go have fun with it. And uh, yeah, so an old two feet 22. I still have it actually. I refurbished it. And oh, that's uh, cool. Something I'm, I'm going to teach my son on when he just turned five. So he's he's getting he's, ready to get out there and start He's ready it. to go then. Yeah. Yep. You need to get him out there. Yep. Um, so what was the first, um, I guess, handgun? What was your first handgun that you owned that you could say was yours personally? So you're going to laugh at this because this is uh, not exactly the way people normally do this. So the first handgun I actually owned was passed down to me by my dad. Um, he was an Alaska State Trooper, and the gun he carried on duty was a, a three fifty seven Highway Patrolman revolver. So not many people can say that their first uh, their first pistol they ever owned was a, a you know a three fifty seven wheel right. gun. So nice. Um, do you I still have that one? I still have it. It's the most accurate pistol I have. It's I love that gun. If I we're actually going to take it out and do some javelina hunting um, in Arizona with it later this year. So. It's uh yeah, cool. it's a fun gun. I still have it. Um, that was the very first pistol I shot. What's your current carry? Um, I switch back and forth. I carry um, like I said, I have a twenty Glock twenty three, Glock twenty seven. Um, man after my own heart. A, a Glock forty three that in the summers in in Arizona, it's nice to have that that small gun to carry. So I'll carry that sometimes. Yeah. Um, I'm not a one kind of fits all. I got a Colt and a Kimber 1911s. I have like them all. a SIG 229. I, I don't judge. I like them all. Every, everyone has a different application and a different reason. Um, exactly. I have the most training on the Glocks from, from my law enforcement experience shooting mm -hmm. you know, thousands of rounds through a Glock. So in a oh shit situation, that's kind of my go-to gun just because of right. a comfort level. Right. Mine too. Yeah. That's my go-to. But I'm like you. I mean, I, I like, I'm a gun nerd. I like them all. Right. I'd have one of each if I could. <laughs> So, um, has there ever been a firearm that you were ashamed to admit that you owned? Uh, I don't think so. Okay. I have to look through you know, my collection, but no. No. Uh, Nothing that he's like, I, I haven't really told anybody I own that. Uh, uh, no, not that I can think of, actually. Um, okay. I'm, I'm actually pretty happy. Not, come to think of it, I'm pretty happy with everyone I have. So what so, would be that, your what would be next on your list? Got to have, want to have. What's on the What's on your list? Um, I, oh, that's a good question. I I kind of I go back and forth between some of the uh, some of the heritage guns. I have like an old uh, old trap door from from way back when. Um, <laughs> okay. I have I have some so I, I collect some old guns. Um, I have an old World War II gun with a bayonet that goes to it. So I like to kind of collect some of the older ones that I come across. Mm -hmm. um, but I also don't have any super big bore guns. Um, uh, the, I kind of grew up hunting elk and stuff with a 300 wind mag. So yeah. that's kind of my go-to hunting round for, for most North American game. But uh, I would mind round. doing something. 
Yeah, I wouldn't mind uh, something maybe either uh, like a, a big a big four, you know, a three fifty seven or three seventy five or something like that, or yeah, even you know four sixteen or something a little bigger. I can reach out and shoot some long distance with. Very cool. Um, price be damned, laws be damned. What would you own? Ooh. Um, Broad cab, just leave, and it doesn't have to be guns. It could be anything. Oh, see, I immediately went to guns, so that kind of tells you how I think. Well, no, I mean that's kind the, of the, uh, it's a leading question, yeah. but yeah, <laughs> right. We're talking about guns, and then you tell me yeah. price be damned, and so guns, um, price be damned, law be damned, guns. What would you have? I think it would be fun to do. Uh, I can never choose just one. This is a hard question. I think it'd be awesome to have a mini gun. I think it'd be awesome yes. to add some experience with those in the military a little bit. So just the the pure firepower and rate of fire is amazing. Um, I grew up in the, in the military, uh, on an A-10 base, um, oh, A-10 Warthog. So yeah. I <laughs> love that, that, that Gatling gun on the front of that thing. Yeah. I would, I would, I would just take the whole it, fucking I, plane. I would take the whole I'll Warthog. Take, I'll take the whole thing. So yeah. something that thing would be badass, a 30 mil Gatling gun, but a mini gun. Um, like I said, I also have kind of a, a leaning to some of the older stuff. So like an old Maxim or an old, uh, you know, some old kind of heritage, traditional old machine gun or something would be pretty fun. Yeah, definitely. Uh, when it comes to pop uh, culture, uh, movies, songs, books, uh, TV shows, video games. I don't know if you're a video gamer or not. I doubt it. You probably don't have much time. <laughs> um, what, uh, what, what would be your go-to that's firearms related? Ooh, um, I will answer that video game because I have zero time. I don't even own a console. The, uh, and my DVR is always at like 98% full because I never have time to watch anything. Um, <laughs> gets deleted before I get a chance to watch it. So what are you DVR in? Um, uh, so I, we do, I like action. I like, my, my thought with TV and movies is like, I don't get too caught up in the award winning stuff. I don't get too caught up in, I like, I'm a, I grew up with country westerns, um, mm -hmm. a movie with guns. I'm, I'm a big fan of uh, the movie Tombstone. Um, yeah. That was kind of an old classic that I love. Me and my dad used to watch that a ton. Um, I also like some of the military stuff, so cheesy as it is. Um, like Top Gun and some of those where I, I kind of grew up watching those with my brothers. Um, <laughs> Top Gun. So I'm an action guy. I like to I like to use movies and TV as more of a kind of release. I'm a, I like comedies. I like action. I don't want to be too caught up in drama and, and, and stuff like that. My wife likes right. to watch some of the, the Datelines and some of that stuff. I'm like, I, I had to deal with that at work. I don't need to deal so with that. So are you watching like the Game of Thrones? You do any of that kind of stuff? You watching? Yeah, uh... I'm, I'm up to date on Game of Thrones. Uh from living and working in DC, some of that Netflix, like House of Cards, and some of that we'll House watch. Cards, okay. Um, yeah, it kind of gives you a different different thought process when you actually lived it. You know. Did you Did you ever see the movie Shooter with uh, Marky Mark Wahlberg? Yeah. Yep. What did you think about that movie? Did you like that movie? I thought it was a good movie. Uh, yeah, I think it's a good movie. If, if like my biggest thing is I don't like I said I don't get too caught up in if they were good actors or whatever. It was a good plot. It no, I don't either. I mean, I like what yep. I like, and it was a it was a good movie, yeah, in my exactly. opinion. It was one yep. that I uh, watched several times over. Now, the reason I bring that up is, did you know that there is a um, a TV series out called The Shooter? I actually just saw that on Netflix the other day. I did, too. Was, I was like, holy shit. Yeah, How did actually, I not have know? Have you watched it yet? Yeah, I did. It, and it's, it's like the movie. <laughs> it's... Uh, the That's what I was wondering. I saw it. I haven't started. I was like, is it going to be... I was like, how do they make a TV series out of this? But I, or is it, you know? Well, it's predictable because you know the movie and they kind of follow the movie, but then they put twist in it, you know, to, to make it into a TV series, I guess, so they can continue it and, and whatnot. So it's got some differences to it. Um, 
but it's uh, what's that guy's name? Ryan Felipe is is playing. Um, oh, what's the guy? What's the character's name? I can't remember what. Um, uh, I'm gonna pull it up here. It's gonna drive me nuts. Yeah, you gotta look it up now. Um, uh, Bob Lee Swagger. There he is. <laughs> How did we forget that? Bob Lee <laughs> yeah. Swagger. Yeah. So uh, he's playing Bob nice, Lee yeah, Swagger. I'll- I'll check it out then. Nice. Yeah, but it it was okay. It was good. It was kind of like it's like they're following the movie here, but then they were like, "Oh, okay, I see what they're doing here." And when they get in, I guess they're going to do a season two. Then it should be, you know, there should be some twists going on. So we'll nice. see. We'll see what happens. Yeah, I'll check it out. The uh, like I said, unfortunately, I don't have a ton of free time. Oh yeah. Well, that's kind of like one of those things. Like when I have the time, I binge, and I'll just right. And then, you know, I won't watch another one for a while and then I'll binge again. Unless I can binge it, I won't watch it because I don't want to, I don't want to watch like one episode of something. And then, you know, eight months later, I'm trying (laughs) to just say that. Yeah. I'm trying to get caught up. When the next season comes out, you're trying to catch up. Right. It just, that don't work for me. So, all right. So, uh, if you could spend the day at the range with anyone or a group of people, fictional, alive dead who would it be who uh one would be my dad because he taught me how to shoot um that's some of my fondest memories of uh of hunting and uh so one would definitely be my dad um another one actually speaking of the movie tombstone i think it'd be awesome to hang out with wyatt earp and 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 do some six gun stuff and i think that'd be a fun time oh yeah um i also think there's uh there's some modern you know guys like that if we're you know, that like Chris Kyle's people like that, that have just amazing knowledge of, of some of these like shooting platforms and stuff that would be incredible knowledge basis. That would be fun to be able to spend some time with and shoot with. Yeah. I would want to shoot with the, um, the Martian from Looney Tunes, the (laughs) P 52 space modulator or whatever it is. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) I don't like it. I would like to shoot. Right. I like it. I think that's all my questions. Let me see if I'm missing anything. Nope, that's it. Brady, thank you so much for being on the show. Uh, thank you for stepping up and being our official optic sponsor of Talking Lead. That's awesome. We're looking forward to uh, doing some events with you guys coming up. Yeah, no, thank you. I'm looking forward to uh, this is an incredible opportunity and it's going to be a fun journey. So I'm looking forward to it. We appreciate the opportunity for sure. Absolutely. So you guys make sure you go to rideonusa.com. And check out their rifle scopes, their binos, soon to be rangefinders, their red dots that are there, magnifiers, and some other products that are yet to be announced, but coming up soon. And you guys yep. will hear the uh, the exclusive releases here on Talking Lead. Is there anything else you wanted to add? Uh, just the R I T O N, because I don't want people searching like R I G H T O N. So. That's a good point. Yeah. R-I-T-O-N, right on, because they are right on target. Can you not use that that phrase, right on target? Is somebody already using it? Uh, We have trademark always right on, and then we do right on target, right on price, right on service. So, yeah, those are ours. Always right on target, baby. And big thanks to our other sponsors, Frontier Tactical. Check them out at FrontierTactical.com. X-Steel Targets, XSteelTargets.com. Modern Spartan Systems, ModernSpartanSystems.com. Glock, of course you find Glock anywhere, just Google Glock and uh, us.glock.com. There it is. <laughs> <laughs>
And, of course, all our partners and friends of the show, Keltec, Multicam Pattern, Atlas Defense. Check out our buddies over at Tactical Response. You guys uh, need to get your training. Go to Tactical Response. Sign up for a plethora of different classes that they have, handgun, rifle, medical, even strength training. They have offer those as well. Brady, again, thank you so much. Uh, we're going to be having Brady on again in the near future. As uh, he told you, they've got some new releases coming up. So stay tuned for that. But until then, and as always, Leadheads, keep your loved ones close. And your firearms closer, and your targets even closer using right-on optics. <laughs>